Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mortis FM, a Star Wars podcast. I am one of the guys, one of the boys, Grayson, and with me is my best friend who's a little under the weather, but I love him, and he's my baby boy, and he's so beautiful and so charismatic. His name is Cole. <laughs> Cole, introduce yourself. Um, you know, I, th- I think you got all of the all of the, the, the things to say. Uh, really, really, no, no more... Uh, introduction necessary after that um yeah i'm sick i i've got i've got the big sick um i don't know if we can even say it because i feel like sometimes it gets filtered out of certain things i am i am i'm collecting variants um i added a new one to my collection this is the this is the third time i have been sick so uh grayson is gonna be uh most of the energy in this episode uh but and, and as much as I should be sleeping right now, um, the show must go on. And so here I am. Here he is. Yeah, we uh, we actually were going to get this episode out a little bit sooner. But then the day we were going to record, uh, Internet was not being very uh, cooperative. And then uh, and then the following day. Uh, Cole was diagnosed with his uh, with his sickness and has been recovering. So um, we're we're pushing through. He's pushing through, and uh, yeah, we're just we're just gonna go through the the probably the biggest episode of Ahsoka thus far, being Ahsoka episode four. Um, oh yeah, it's By been far. it's been about five days since its release. So there's been a lot to simmer and speculate on so i think we're going to follow a very similar format as what we did in the last episode which was kind of cole's idea so shout out to cole for that oh uh, hey, thanks, we're just man. gonna hey no problem man i love you and we're gonna go through what uh and we're gonna go through just the just beat by beat through the episode talking about specific moments that we enjoyed or um or what have you so um, I also have a list of notes of specific things I want to talk about, but yeah, let's just we'll just jump right into it. Um, so, from what I remember, I've seen the episode twice. Uh, the episode starts off with uh, Sabine and Ahsoka still on the surface of Cetos. Mm-hmm. Um, they're trying to, um, but I think Hugh Wang says he's trying to uh, do some rewiring so that they can get a message out to Hera. Because right now, I believe with the storms and presumably the Pergil and everything, they cannot get a signal out to Hera. Um, so they're trying to get some backup there. Um, and then um, we have a little bit of a discussion between Ahsoka um, and Sabine, where they're basically saying ah- Ahsoka implies that you know if they can't get this map. Um, you know, if they can't beat Balin and Morgan and the rest of the the rest of the baddies to Thrawn, um, but they have the option to at least prevent them from getting to it, it'd be better to for nobody to get to where they're at than uh, than than let the bad guys get the upper hand. And mm-hmm. so, um, and you know, Sabine, you know, she doesn't. She's not like just super vocally against this but you can definitely tell that she is not like about that like ahsoka is kind of doing the more she says 
you know, sometimes we have to... I'm thinking of Aunt May from Spider-Man 2, but I know that's, like, not the reference, but it's... You, you compared it to Anakin from Attack of the Clones. He's like, sometimes we must do what is um, requested of us. Yeah. Um, but what the specific line that Ahsoka says is um, sometimes we have to do what's right regardless of our personal feelings. That's yeah. what she says. Um, which is a, a very, you know... I'd say beyond even just Star Wars, I, I mentioned Spider-Man is a pretty a pretty prominent uh, theme. But I really enjoyed this dialogue. Um, I think it definitely shows where Ahsoka's headspace is at versus where Sabine's headspace is at, which once we get later into the episode, we will see ultimately what drives her decisions. But um, she says at the very end, she's like, Sabine, can I count on you? She says, you know I can. Yeah. She the Seinfeld music. <laughs> yeah, so when Ahsoka is like, you know, if 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 they end up getting the map or whatever, you know, it has to be destroyed. Um mm-hmm. and Sabine doesn't say I'm not going to do that. Instead, she just says that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um so she just kind of avoids really answering the question which you know right. as soon as i as soon as i saw that as soon as i heard that response i was like oh yeah she's i don't think she could do it and 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 i don't yeah. i don't blame her either uh specifically when we'll, we'll talk about that later on mm-hmm. um as uh as when, when we get to that point um yeah. yeah i thought that was a fun little interaction because they, they they both already stated their intentions and you can kind of see that even though they're now working together, they still um, are apart. So we have not finished that arc where they are truly a master and apprentice working together just yet. Yeah, Sabine is still, you know, we always like to say that like with master and apprentices, like it's, you know, people often think like, well, obviously it's the apprentice learning everything. But no, like the best master and apprentice relationships are when both are learning equally in different ways. They teach each um, other. I think uh, I think that I mean, you're absolutely right. I think that that's probably the reason why one of the one of the potential ways that you can actually become a Jedi master is by training uh, at least two Padawans uh, in, in, mm-hmm. in Legends anyway. And so yep. it kind of says that in order to really be a master, you know, you, you two need to learn from from a teaching experience. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Being a knight is more so like, you know, showing that you can handle your own. Right. But then becoming a master is really learning a lot of these intricacies of not only the force, but what it is to be a Jedi and to be you know a protector of the greater good um so you can definitely see like that sabine is a little bit more emotionally driven versus ahsoka right now is kind of in her kind of in her batman mode as i want to call it like she's and people have, have i think we've talked about this last episode have been kind of criticizing her for being like oh she's too stoic and blah 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 and i'm like i'm like i don't blame her though like you know she's she's on a mission like she's been through a lot when you really look at the the legacy of her character like she's not this you know 14 year old girl that's just being taken underneath the wing of Anakin she's right. not happy go lucky like she's a woman who has has had virtually all odds against her um, so there, there's a lot of, of, of character dissection. We'll get a lot into that probably when speculating on the next episode. But, but yeah, so that's kind of how we start off. Well, and then we see... I was just going to oh, say, go like, basically in response to that, like, uh, 
if you're upset about Ahsoka not being happy-go-lucky, you know, sorry that um, someone who grew up as a child soldier and then was hunted yeah. down through for, for most of her later life and then had to fight her master <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like isn't you know all all uh what's what's the word for it like uh, roses and daisies like just happy yeah exactly um right yeah i just she she has a lot of growing to do and we we do see that like her and sabine like crack a joke and like she she smiles yeah um, very briefly so that was that was a good moment for her like you could kind of see it finally starting to come through yeah, they're getting. Uh, I think even Hugh Wang says like they're kind of getting a little bit more in their flow again. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like the in episode three, like they are a very unconventional master and apprentice duo. But like I, this episode, I love seeing them work together, um, which leads me kind of into the next point, which is a little bit of jumping the gun. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and then kind of hook back around. Um, but. Um, so Huang is uh, repairing the ship from from the exterior, mm-hmm. uh, and then and get gets attacked by another HK droid. Um, and I think people, I, to be honest, I forgot this too. But people have been like showing a very strong reaction to Huang, like basically like having the moves, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but I was like, oh, this doesn't surprise me. Like I'm glad they kept it consistent because if you in the Clone Wars, like. He's kind of crazy. Like he's like doing yeah. like backflips and stuff. Like they're like they do like the whole like circus routine or whatever with like the younglings. I'm like, Hu Wang is is for all intents and purposes like he is like the sensei of droids, right? Like thousands of years old. Like, dude, does not surprise me that he's just gonna just you know rock him, sock him with some other droids. Like <laughs> he is the oldest. Well, I was about to say living, but he's he's the oldest operable relic really of of the jedi order he was specifically designed to bring younglings into the fold like as their their first steps of constructing their lightsabers and stuff like that like dude of course he's gonna know a couple moves they already established that he knows uh lightsaber combat training techniques in the previous episode i don't understand why people are mad about that and he and he's here's the thing too like it's not like he immediately laid out that HK droid. Like no. it, it took a it took a bit. Now I will say, the HK models have certainly degraded in quality <laughs> uh, over the you know past millennia or so. Um, right. Yeah. But it, like they're, they're they're not to be messed around with. They're literally assassin right. droids. Um, and you know, seeing him pack a wallop was fun. Like, I, you know, yeah, I thought he's got those cool. little extra arms that pop out of his shoulders well, as well. So I, he's got like the again, like it's just there's no reason to be mad about it. Like, why are you mad? Oh, I I wasn't sorry to, to correct. I don't think I've seen any unless you have. I haven't seen anybody be mad about it. I've just seen people be like, been like, whoa, what? Like, Hugh Wayne can do all this. And I've it's like I've and it's, seen people like be a little mad really yeah they, like that's so dumb there's this one guy on twitter that he was like why is Huang fighting like that's just so dumb and i was like dude why are you mad why are you mad? <laughs> why are you mad about that dude oh my people gosh find a reason people are mad like mad at anything no dude it, it's like it's crazy like the and we'll get into it later but like you know i might I, you know what i'll go ahead and say it now while it's fresh on my mind like I've uh, I've had some some friends tell me like you know that have maybe a little bit more of a notable uh, status in the Star Wars community, but they've been telling me like how 
Dude, the listen, and I say this with like the like they didn't make this clear that like I love Andor and I know you love Andor, but there are some people out there that the that that are like the like the Andor diehards mm-hmm. like won't let anybody enjoy anything else out of Star Wars. And so like my friend was telling me how she she posted on like a you know like a, a TikTok or whatever saying that like, you know, Ahsoka is some of the best live action content since the prequels. Not an incorrect statement. Like it doesn't mean it is the best. It doesn't mean that there's not been anything good since then. It's just I would agree Ahsoka on a quality of of standard oh, yeah. has been some of the of the best like quote traditional Star Wars since the prequels. I agree. But of course people are like Bro, there's lightsabers in this show, and the music sucks, and and Ahsoka and Sabine suck, and it's and it's woke, and Andor's so much Dude, better because they what? talk to people, and I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh man, dude, like you can enjoy both. I and I thoroughly enjoy Andor because it is the it is a story of the everyman, of people who are are struggling on these backwater planets, fighting against the Empire. Like they're very, like they're very melodramatic and and slow burn. Ahsoka is not that. Like we can see, this is the episode that is prime example that like this is Star Wars back in its mystical space opera form. You know, this is yeah. original trilogy. It's space wizards and stuff we don't understand, and and big bombastic lightsaber battles, which in this episode are amazing by the way and i'm sure we will get more into it like it's just they're not mutually exclusive like you can enjoy all of it you know like quit coming after people here's the thing man like it's like trying to compare like chocolate cake with spaghetti you know (laughs) like exactly like both of them are good i love both of those foods how could I possibly try to compare and contrast between the two? Yes. They're two completely different things, but they're right. both good. It's not that we, we don't have to. People keep trying to narrow down Star Wars into just this one entity that like it that like, you know, A is good and B is the worst. You know, it, it started since uh, since the original trilogy days. I, be, I bet you yes. there were even people that were like a new hope. Well, you know, at the time it was called Star Wars. They're, they're like, dude, Star Wars is the best Empire Strikes Back sucks. You know, like I bet you there yeah. were people. Oh, that people were, were like that, that with Return of the Jedi. People because yeah. the Ewoks hated Return of the Jedi. Yeah, And it's it's just this failure to accept differentiation they just want Mm. the same thing and like the you know i I feel like people applauded uh andor because it was just a lot different than what we were used to but like it doesn't mean that ahsoka is is any less deserving of praise it's right you know like I, i think as i told you uh andor is like a fantastic twist on how we perceive star wars and media and then Ahsoka is like a kind of return to roots classic space opera adventure. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I just, again, why are you mad? Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, just get off of Twitter and stop, stop. being mad. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what is, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the Qui Gon line. Like, the, oh, the, <laughs> the ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Literally. Like, 
Like, it, people need to get off their high horse, man. Like, in... Anyway, so I just needed to put that out there that, like, just because you think Andor is the best thing ever does not mean that Ahsoka just sucks or is, like, just not, like, it's... Tony Gilroy literally said with Andor to to really nail in the... Put the nail in the coffin here. He said that this is not... So this is he said, and I don't think he meant this in a bad way. He's like, but this is the least Star Wars Star Wars project. Yeah. When I think he meant by that, granted, I'm, I don't know Tony Gilroy personally, but I'm going to assume that the genre and the the vision of Andor was not to emulate the original trilogy, was not to emulate the space opera and the mysticism and the fantasy. It was supposed it was supposed to be something different, like. And if we want to make Star Wars this living, breathing world, I love that. But Ahsoka is directly ordained by George Lucas's apprentice. Mm -hmm. And I say this with confidence because Jon Favreau literally said that Dave is George Lucas's apprentice. Mm -hmm. There you go. Watch the documentary on it. This is the bat, like this is the grand scope, and so it's just different. And you can enjoy, like, enjoy them because of their differences. Like, it's one of the main reasons why I love Solo because it's like this just like this like and people were like oh it's so mid or whatever i don't really i don't care like it's it's very underworld driven like it's and yeah there's no lightsabers in it and i love that for it because it's and, well there is sorry there's one lightsaber okay but like <laughs> and uh but like anyway so that's a whole other discussion but can we just stop like tearing people down for like and like enjoying one thing like i personally love when someone has a different thing that they love more than me of course i'm you know if they're if they like the same things as me, I'm going to be able like to discuss with them. But I digress. No, I I mean, listen, man, I I, I completely agree. I once met mm-hmm. someone that told me that he did not like Andor, and I asked why, <laughs> and he said that there was no plot. Um, and gotta disagree, but all right. And I I just kind of said all right. You know, like I, yeah. I, I mean, if 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 you are at that level of media illiteracy, um, <laughs> I, I I am not. I, I just I have no desire to speak. Um, but here's the thing: I'm not gonna stop him from thinking that Andor has no plot. Right? You know? Yeah. Like I think that that's stupid, but I'm not going to stop him <laughs> from thinking that, and that's okay. So yeah. Like, I get that that Andor has a much more, um, you know, a a much slower and methodical plot. Um, And granted, we have not even seen the full show yet. There's still a whole other season that has to be put into play. Thank God. But, like, yeah, can't wait. But anyway, that's a whole discussion for for Andor. Back to Ahsoka, which we both have been loving. Um, So, Huang, he starts getting attacked by these, these droids. Ahsoka and Sabine are quickly alerted and go uh, go X Games mode on these droids and take them out with with relative ease. But it's not just droids. There are also um, there are these thugs that we saw. I think they're the same ones. I believe you pointed out, or somebody did. Um, I recognize are the same ones from Mando season two that Morgan yeah. has in her little compound on Corvus. I believe is the planet. Yeah. Um, but I recognize, I realized on, upon watching it the second time that Ahsoka has no no hesitancy with killing these guys. Like, like she does not. Care. And I mean, granted, in, in Mando season two, she didn't care either. But you like, 
I don't know if like I don't that's I'm not taking that as a complaint because I'd really have to go back and look at Ahsoka's track record. Well, okay, in Clone Wars she did chop off the three heads of Mandalorians. Yeah, so. she. We 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 love Ahsoka in this house. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. But I can't decide, and I don't think she can decide either on whether or not she wants <laughs> no. to kill people. Um, I, I, I get I really reasoning for not just, killing you know. the clones in season seven. Like it right. makes sense; those are the people she served with. But then I thought that kind of took that as a sign of like, okay, like you know, she's. I guess she just basically. This is a whole other discussion for uh, for something else, but I'm like, but like, I guess she doesn't really care about killing people. Like, it's it's weird though because she uh, when at the siege of Mandalore, like when she was first, she didn't uh, kill like any of those Mandalorians. Down, she didn't kill any of them. She just uh, chopped their guns and hit one mm. of the dude's jetpacks and uh, basically hang hung on to him. As he was like yeah. flying around. Now he probably died because his jetpack was busted. <laughs> in fact, I feel like he just flew off and exploded. Um, yeah, that's probably what happened. But you know, like like you said, she's in her Batman phase where it's like, I didn't kill him; the fall did. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, but in this episode, she literally like she pulls one down, or like uh, Sabine pulls one of her grappling hook down to the ground, and Ahsoka just like does like a quick uppercut and just like slices his throat, and he's done. And I, was I think like, she well, uses right. one of them as a human. Shield shield like for yeah <laughs> she, she, she went like uh like jedi survivor on uh on that guy yeah which you know the, is cool i mean great yeah. you know but like yeah. <laughs> i still have confusion because uh didn't like dave filoni wrote siege of mandalore right yeah yeah and and he's also writing this so like either someone is interfering with his insatiable bloodlust or he's changing his mind <laughs> Um, I I guess I guess so. I, there's plenty of examples of her not killing and killing. So I'm just gonna say it's just uh, she's playing. She's on for any gamers out there. Very hyper specific reference. She's playing Dishonored, but can't decide if she wants to go high chaos or low chaos. Yeah. Like she's like, okay, maybe this person will die, but mm, this guy he said something about his daughter. Maybe I won't kill him. It's like, it's mission by mission. She's achievement hunting, right? Uh, like like yeah. Siege of Mandalore. She. Had to go uh, low chaos but I, yeah. I don't know I, I guess we kind of think of it as like situational because um with with the mandalorians right she had an easy well with the mandalorians and siege of mandalore she had it yeah. she had an easy out i guess all she needed mm -hmm. to do was like just get a ride out of there she didn't necessarily need to kill them but on Cetos. These guys are literally hunting her down. Her down, yeah. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess it is kind of like a situational type of thing. Do do they kill? Does she, when she was with the Wookies in Clone Wars, when she meets Chewbacca and all of them, and she's being hunted for sport with the other Jedi. Do they kill the Trandoshans? I don't know. I honestly don't I remember what I happens. I can't remember. The yeah, that was a good arc, though. That's one of my favorites. But yeah, yeah I guess cool. it's situational. There we go. Case closed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then there's a line that kind of connecting back to our very first conversation after discussing about Andor and whatnot. Um, Huang, you know, they're, they're going off. They're going to the, the hinge, as one of the droids later in the episode calls it. Very accurate. Um, Huang tells them, like, both to stay together. Mm -hmm. Um they don't do that. Yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> Which it's not like they're like, you know, 
uh, intentionally, like, just trying to go against Huang, but, like, he says something that I, I like a lot. Um, he, he's like, Ahsoka, Sabine, you know, stay together. You always uh, were better that way. We're better off that way. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a little... Uh, uh, some some foreshadowing there. Um, they do get split up, but so anyway, then um, we backtrack to we get to see Hera uh, and Jason assemble a small crew of uh, of a squadron of X wings. Uh, I think it's um, a, a ragtag version of Phoenix Squadron. Yeah, uh, which I love the callback to. Um, so she does. I guess I don't. Is it that they managed to? That Huang fixes the the transmission and then and and Hera goes out to get him, or does she just know? Does she just remember? Um, I think she just knew because I don't think uh, he was able to reach her until the end of the episode. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I guess she just takes it as like a, I'm not waiting on a call or I'm not waiting on a report. I'm going. Yeah. Like they were. Yeah. They were talking to her um before they reached uh what was it the the Denab system is that where CTOS yeah. is. I think so. Um, but there was a uh, their communications were getting jammed, um, yeah. And so they blipped out, um, and that's why they that's why they couldn't reach her. Yeah. Makes okay. makes that more makes sense. sense that uh, that he was able to reach her when she uh, got into the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he finally manages to get to work. Okay, cool. So then, yeah, she she breaks away from the the fleet uh, and assembles some. Um, x-wing pilots one of them being the phil colson of uh of the star wars universe real carson tiva um by the way that actor is playing um uh, you know he's playing uncle iroh i in, do uh, know that i'm, I'm actually yeah. kind of excited for that yeah I, I i like carson tiva a lot he's a, he's a cool guy um, I bl- i'm drawing a blank on the actor's name but he's a um he's a really cool guy um but yeah so he he comes along and uh, there's a little Easter egg I have to I have to point out I'm I'm legally obligated to um, I'm not really but I just want to some eagle-eyed fans noticed in which th- I tried to notice it myself it is like you have to put it in the editing software there's literally no way you can do it manually on Disney Plus for like oh. how quickly it happens yeah. but, but there's a, sh- a shot of the cockpit of the ghost which ugh, so good to see that ship again um, Right before Hera walks on screen, in the pilot seat on the left, uh, right behind um, the controls is a picture of Kanan, mm-hmm. uh, which is technically the first time we have seen him in live action. You don't; re- it's, it's a very, very fuzzy look because of how far away it is, which is probably intentional because I don't think we'll see him in live action, and I'm okay with that. Um, you want to you want to know something additional about that too? Yeah. Someone found out that that was a picture of Freddie Prince Jr. Um, really? Yeah, that was like, it was just a picture of him like, that like, was just like kind of yeah, that was just kind of photoshopped and doctored a little okay. bit. Okay, I so I saw something about that, but I was like, I thought it was just someone grasping at straws. Like I was just like, okay, like there's someone's like, yeah, it is Freddie Prince Jr. And I was like, maybe, but you saying that makes makes me feel like it was more legit because i saw that picture as well it's like an older picture of him that they kind of photoshopped but um yeah freddie prince jr unfortunately has has said that you know he's kind of done with that role which i honestly i kind of commend 
Uh, I've always told Cole and many of my other friends that Kanan is that lightning in a bottle character Mm -hmm. where like the only real stories that I would like of him would be, you know, during his time pre-Rebels and post-Bad Batch of like what he was up to. Um, But we do get a book about that. And um, even though they changed Order 66 for him, the the comics kind of get into what he was up to so uh, but it's just it's a really sweet little uh acknowledgement because we've gotten virtually little acknowledgement of kanan which like i mean makes sense like i don't expect them to be like you know five years later just constantly being like man i miss kanan so much you know (laughs) like it's like it's fine but like you know the scene in the last episode of jason being like i want to be a jedi and and hera just the 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 sorrow that you visibly see on her face when yeah. she's like, yeah, I know you do. Like it, it, it hits me like a truck. Um, and then just, um, and then the picture that I did think of one thing though, in episode three, when they're training, um, Sabine is like, how am I supposed to see with this thing? Blah, blah, blah. Like as they're training, I'm like, pro all right like kanan was literally blind like he trained you when he was blind and i'm like i know sabine at this point has not unlocked her potential in the force so it does make sense for her to be like how do you expect me to see but like it would have been at least like it would have made sense for her to be like oh yeah like i see what you're doing okay like i get it you know yeah she's kind of just being like okay yeah i feel Um, like if she was in a better position to like she, she she would might be uh, more willing to learn um, mm-hmm. or at least not get as frustrated so quickly right um, yeah I, th- I think and and we see a lot of those frustrations on what Balin ultimately reveals later on but um, but yeah so then I think at this point after all of the stuff that we've gone through the title opens up um, and then at this from this point onward uh, until kind of the end of the episode it's a lot of action and it's a lot of really good action. It's it's just good. Like it's just consistently good. Like I I've seen people and the I'm like I don't know if it's just me. And I know it's not. But there are these like, you know, here at Mortis FM as well, here in this house. We love Star Wars and that means we love the prequels. And I love the prequel lightsaber fights a lot. Yeah. But there is also something extremely charming about the original trilogy fights, okay? There are some of these, like, prequel, like, diehards out there that just, just refuse, like, they, like, nothing, like, these fights that we've seen in, you know, Ahsoka or Mando or whatever, they're like, oh, it's like, it's not as, like, they're, they're just not as good as the prequel fights, you know? And I'm like, first of all, with the fights in this episode... I just disagree personally. Um, that's just me. Other than maybe Duel of the Fates, like the reason those fights were choreographed the way they were, and I believe the, I love the fights in the prequels. Mm-hmm. But like, this is the Jedi in their like absolute prime. Not like maybe High Republic prime, but like in terms of like this is the Jedi on their A game, right? With like master class training or whatever. Um, but also like. Um, there's a lot of flair, a lot of additional flair that's in those fights. And so it's a lot of just like really quick hits that aren't going for like lethal blows, right? To me, I really love the fights, especially in this show, because they feel like a beautiful blend of the of the fast-paced prequel fights, but the weighted attacks of the original trilogy and the sequels. Like personally, I agree. like I like, like the idea that like, I don't want, you know, 
I don't like my lightsabers to be like flashlights where they just have no weight to them whatsoever. And you're just like, just like the, like <laughs> quick, like flick of a wrist. And it's already like, you can revert it 180 degrees. Like I like the, like the physicality of these sabers. And so like, you know, say what you will about the, the sequels. I personally like love some of like certain fights in the sequels, especially like, um, the fight in the forest and the force awakens because kylo has that really heavy broadsword saber and he's going for these really big swings whereas ray has faster attacks you know but like she's a little smaller so she is struggling with these like she's not ahsoka she's not all these other like jedi that have been trained in their prime so anyway these these ahsoka fights go incredibly hard uh the fight between both um well i guess there's technically three different lightsaber fights that happen um we get the fight between let's let's start off with the fight between i think we got to talk about it we got to address it the, well, the fight between ahsoka and Morak. all right um let's just start on the fight spectacle i loved it i thought it was amazing i think um, uh i think finally the and finally and ironically the the the, the lightsaber <laughs> movements of Maroc like as an inquisitor i think finally translated really well mm-hmm. um i personally like as much as i enjoy star wars rebels um and you know like the the inquisitors being established into the canon um mm-hmm. i think that they're really cool uh but the i i always felt like the lightsaber spinny thing like just w- with with how they use their sabers um right. i always kind of thought that it just felt very unrefined and they just kind of misunderstood the true meaning of the lightsaber um yeah. which sounds really nerdy of me to say <laughs> they don't get the true meaning of a lightsaber <laughs> um but it just it, it always felt like a little underutilized i guess but like yeah but like Maroc, even though he loses and he loses like bad, um, <laughs> yeah, well. he he he's got the moves, you know. Oh, yeah. Like he, I, I I don't know, you know his story, but you can definitely tell why Morgan had, you know, him uh, around, right? Because um, I mean he was he was good. Yeah, yeah he was one of the probably. I would argue one of the most competent inquisitors that we have seen, probably up there with, I would say Trilla, um, yeah, second sister, like the, you know maybe the seventh sister as well. But like in terms of holding his own, like he's one of like we've said before, he's one of the few that has held his own against Ahsoka. Ultimately, it was that cliche inquisitor or helicopter move that uh-huh. was his downfall, isn't it? Always the I, I we made it. <laughs> We said something. Uh, we were making a joke like the other day. I was just like, "Bro, it's like I'm convinced that like Vader or Palpatine gave like like a, a mandate <laughs> saying that like you know once they wanted to like they were like, all right, like we need to kind of get rid of the Inquisitors. Like they, you know, they're, it's getting a little out of hand. They're like, well, we can't just like you know kill them all. Like they'll like you know they'll uprise against us. It's like, what if we just tell them that like you know." the helicopter move is like the way to go you know like just just use the helicopter move every time you'll never lose when in fact it's just the complete opposite like if you use that move you will lose every time vader's because... vader's holding like seminars for the inquisitors and he's like guys try spinning it's a good trick 
They're like, oh yeah, let's take that down. Oh, and yeah, Palpatine okay. in the background, like, eh, well, yes, and I think, good. I think, like, honestly, I, I really love that I got this thought just now. Is that it's kind of an allegory for the dark side in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that this crazy spinning move that literally, you know, you you, you turn your your lightsaber into just this propelling blade that yeah. is basically impossible to to, yeah. to to get through and it's just kind of a, a taunt of power without needing to be trained i guess you know any joe schmo can take an inquisitor lightsaber and press that button and just have it spin and just move right. forward with it and then you just turn into a yeah. meat grinder for a lightsaber it's like an easy win um but then you pair that up against ahsoka who has been trained and tested uh and you know like i'm I just just because he's my favorite character i'm going to attribute that move to obi-wan uh because obi-wan fought grievous time and time again and the lightsaber spinny move has always been very grievous um yes. so i feel like maybe ahsoka kind of adopted that from him um yeah well also the the, the ultimate you know the killing blow on Morak. uh I would say is very similar to Obi-Wan and Maul. Oh, uh, oh yeah. That just that one strike to just take him out, you know. Mm-hmm. I think what beautifully encapsulates, you know, what you're saying is something that Luke says in a different context to Palpatine. Your overconfidence is your weakness. Uh, literally, I mean, it, it's literally like as soon as they click that button, they're like, yeah, like you can even see it in Maroc's like visible like stature change. He's cocky. He's like, oh yeah, I've got you now. Mm-hmm. Like you're done. And Ahsoka's like, mm, not quite. Like you know, uh, like her, she ultimately is able to keep herself composed. It's the same thing that Obi Wan does. Same thing that Ahsoka does. I mean. It happens time and time again. Like the the way of the dark side is is overconfidence, and it ultimately leads to their folly. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I to be honest, like when it happened, I wasn't that upset. Um, I think it was a really cool fight. Yeah. Um, um, I it does leave a little to be desired, I think, or questions. So before before this episode came out, I started a, a little note document of just mm. things that I wanted to discuss in the episode. Yep. And I did I did not think that <laughs> I did not think that Morocco would would be juked in this episode. Um, no. So I wrote down, I, I said, preparing for the inevitability that Morocco may just be a new Boba Fett and we have to accept it. Basically, mm. like he's nameless. He has few lines. He's got a cool costume, but that's about it. Yep. Um, and uh, well, when she does this killing blow, um, he erupts into green mist and falls to the ground. Uh, and yeah, I I would like to hear your thoughts about this before I uh, speak mine. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I think I don't know where I had heard this before, but I definitely heard rumblings or rumors. You may have even told this to me that I did hear that Maroc was in what, from what I understand, his body was not corporeal or he was that it was like something that was inhabiting the suit of armor mm. and i was like are you i was like really i was like is that that's what they're gonna go for that like it was like night sister magic that was keeping the armor alive or something like that and i was like okay 
I kind of believe that because of the way the mist pops out, but I'm also not fully convinced that he's like out for the count yet. Uh, I feel like he's like, I definitely feel like he is a subject of like necromancy or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that Morgan utilized him like as, and like, you know, resuscitated him. I mean, we've lit- we literally see the Night Sisters can bring their dead back to life, right? Uh, which is it's it, it very befitting. So it makes sense to her. But like, I know that the Night Sisters' corpses can speak, but they kind of feel more like zombies. Whereas I feel like Maroc felt a little bit more sentient, if that makes sense. A little less like. Um, yeah, I mean, he he didn't speak much, but he had lines. He even had emotions, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, like he was he was getting frustrated, and and so that's really my extent of it. Like I I think I don't think he's done. I think we will get some answers, maybe. But if we don't, I'm okay with that. I feel like you might have a little bit more of a grasp on it than I do, though. So the first, like, I, I mean, as soon as I saw that scene, like, you, 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 because we watched it at the same time, you yep. heard me, like, immediately just start theorizing and going, like, oh, wait, maybe it's, maybe it's that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure that, like, you, like, what, what you said is, is basically, like, similar to mine. I think uh-huh. that Maroc was an inquisitor that died a long time ago mm-hmm. um and morgan basically brought him back to life you know quote unquote life um and he was basically being sustained by night sister magic you know it's it's that yeah. that green mist is very familiar it's not as vibrantly green as we see in the clone wars and you know jedi survivor and stuff like that right but i think he is very much like i i, I am I think he was an inquisitor that died and was brought back to life for kind of like yeah. indentured servitude because when you see him die and the mist kind of come out of him um he doesn't like deflate his arms and body just kind of shrink and it looks more decrepit yeah. so yeah if you think about that if it, instead of instead of him deflating him just turning back into a corpse Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably what I think it is. Do I think he's coming back? That uh, I really doubt it. Um, yeah. I I would love for him to come back just because he's like he he kind of fits that new Boba Fett role for me where I just think he, he's cool. Um, yeah. but given the fact that Morgan didn't even ask where he was. Um, <laughs> she didn't care and and, left and, him there. and that they left him there um i really doubt <laughs> that he is uh, <laughs> okay, gonna come point. back it would be i mean it would be cool if like i don't know you see that mist kind of like go around for a little bit and then it seeps back into the body um yeah but then they'd have to find like the show would have to find another way to get rid of him yeah um, it would be kind of funny though if like he just looked around and just ran away and got on a ship and flew off um <laughs> the maroc spinoff right maroc a star wars story <laughs> um but yeah like i i before we had seen that episode i had already told you like i am preparing for 
the yep. inevitability that that he you know is not gonna be really anything and as soon as he died i i, I was just like all right like cool there man you know like I, <laughs> the thing is is like i'm not upset by it because our last i don't know if it was our last episode or the episode before i talked to you about the expectations of star wars fans yeah but we i don't think we discussed all of the expectations that the the community put on Maroc, like the same thing every time. Is it Ezra? Is it Starkiller? Is it you know the eighth oh, yeah. brother? But for some reason, he doesn't have four fingers anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it's just like people always want to connect stuff, and I just yeah. I think it's fine to just have a new character, um, yeah. even if they're just meant to be like like a red shirt where they get killed off. Yeah, um, it's it is the Star Wars way, you know, for the It's the Star the cool Wars person. way. Like Maroc is one step up from a from a glup poopo, you know? <laughs> um, and uh and, and and I'm okay with that. I think he's great and I can't wait to yeah. not see him again. Uh, yeah. I, but it, yeah. I think it also doesn't make it as big of a deal is because we have two great villains still alive. Exactly. And it's not even... With Balin and Shin. It's not even relevant to the plot, man. People just want yeah. him to be Starkiller or yeah. Starkiller 2 Electric Boogaloo. And yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's not relevant. He was just a cool guy that was meant to be struck down and look cool while yeah. doing it. And I'm fine with it. I, I'm still going to, you know, get a figure of him at some point because I think he's great. Yeah, he is pretty cool. I think it, it, I mean, it adds up like it, I would like to learn a little bit more about him and his, you know, every, I'm sure there'll be some book or comic about him or something, yeah. but, uh, I know how he but died. I'm not too, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like how he originally died. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not mad about it because kind of kicking off of that, we can go to the other two fights, but uh, Shin and Balin are incredible in this episode. Oh yeah. Um, let's, before we get to like the big one, let's do let's talk about uh, Shin and Sabine's uh, little little encounter. Well, um, for for one brief second, right after Ahsoka takes down Maroc, Sabine tells Ahsoka to leave and go get the map. Yeah. Um, which Shin says you will regret that decision, and I think she's talking about just the fact that she's going to regret fighting Shin alone. Um, mm -hmm. But Shin, in a strange, twisted way, was right uh, because Sabine telling Ahsoka to go enabled Ahsoka to basically split off from her um, right. and, you know, them not listen to, to Huang and, and split up, so. Well, I, I took it when she said that as um, Ahsoka beating Maroc, when she took out Maroc. Like, is she, like, had this, like, visible, like, shock on her face like she didn't know that was gonna like that was gonna happen so it, i guess it's like a three-way meaning of like you know you'll regret that but also like she's like kind of shook that ahsoka beat maroc but i think um, yeah i i had also i had briefly thought about that like my first instinctive thought i was like oh did she like was she friends with maroc no she wasn't i really doubt that <laughs> um, i i think they were best buddies yeah, i think instead her face reaction was just oh no I'm going to have to fight both of them on my own. Uh, yeah. And then Sabine is just like, get out of here. Uh, so. <laughs> and Shin's like, say less. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, because, I mean, let's. Shin, like, her and Sabine's fight 
Shin is lethal, dude. Like their fight is really good. Like I, I don't Shin's fighting style and Balin's when we get to it, like just tick all the boxes for me. Uh, like it's really fast and aggressive. Like one of the closest that we've seen to more of the the prequel style. Um, she's cutting trees and, and just like very heavy blows, like her master. Yeah, um, she's such Sabine an offensive just, force. Yes, and Sabine just cannot keep up. No. You know, like. Uh, um, but we see in this little this fight um, at one point, you know, I think it's um, it, towards the tail end of it. I think Shin is about to, she's about to attack, and Sabine like reaches out, and Shin like visibly like her shoulder gets pushed back. And when I first saw this, I was like, did Sabine just use the force, or was Shin? taunting her like making her think that she did um what do you think because i'm still confused in this matter so i at first like when we first saw it i was like i was like oh like sabine did a little push you know like that's, that's yeah that's neat but i actually think that shin was just instinctively flinching to kind of prepare um because like she knows what the force is like obviously right. she knows its uses on people and so sabine a lightsaber wielder who had not shown that she had prowess in, in the force in their previous battle extends mm -hmm. her hand and i feel like shin just instinctively flinches expecting to be pushed back but as soon as yeah. she realizes that she wasn't she turns to sabine and says you have no power like it's yeah like, so so like she it, it was it was a taunt, but I think it was also an audible epiphany that she just mm -hmm. realized that Sabine at this time cannot wield the force. Um, yeah. And I also think it has a lot to do because Star Wars is very um, intrinsic with its with its audio design. And every time yeah. the force is used, you always hear kind of like a tension in the air, you know, uh, yeah. and you don't hear anything. Um, as like as far as I can remember, you don't hear anything. So I really feel like it was just. I just think she flinched. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I. Fifty percent of me agrees with you, and then the other half of me is I'm like I don't know, man. Yeah. Like it was a it was a very sudden like oh like that you know. But I I don't know. It's hard it's hard to say, and I think we'll get reveals about it. But it was still a really good moment because then Sabine immediately like instead of doing like her handout she switches it to like the wrist gauntlet and yeah then tries to shoot at her which is really cool um and then uh shin just goes full batman arkham and just, just like just smoke, smoke, bomb. smoke bombs out of there <laughs> um yeah i think you, you could also think of it in in a in a cool way where the the thing that sabine wanted to happen which was to push shin away did not happen but for but for whatever reason, whether it be that Shin just you know expected Sabine to be a Force user, or something else, maybe she felt the Force coming her way, but it didn't actually reach her. So mm -hmm. she did flinch because she kind of felt that movement through the Force, but it didn't. End, yeah. But it didn't actually end up happening. So didn't connect, maybe yeah. that was like a little bit of a of a tease that you know, I I, th I think Sabine will still get there. I think so. I I, I feel like. I mean, if they don't, you know, if they finally go the route with, like, you know, Sabine just isn't Force-sensitive, like, I think I'd be okay with it. Oh, yeah. But I feel like they're really setting it up that, like, she's going to get there one way or the other. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, so th so that fight is incredible. But then we get to the the big fight, the big fight with uh with Ahsoka and Balin. And oh boy, this fight goes crazy. It the dialogue is very good, man. Um, oh, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. Dude, Ray Stevenson as Balin is just incredible. He's he's easily one of my new favorite villains um, or antagonists. Um, and there's a lot of reasons behind that when I when we kind of I guess break down like the plot of it. Um, but yeah, so Ahsoka shows up and Balin is waiting there as the the coordinate the coordinates are transmitting to the hyperspace ring. Um, he put his hood up in between shots. He wanted to look cool. Yeah, yeah, dude, he was totally trying to look all edgy and stuff. But um, but yeah, so then he they both kind of unclip their their cloaks and uh, Balin says that line like you know uh, Anakin spoke highly of you and Ahsoka is immediately like I don't even know who you it's are. Like, yeah, <laughs> he's like who the hell are you you know like he, yeah he he, he yeah. never he never mentioned you and Balin's yeah. like. Everyone in the He's order like, knew about Anakin Skywalker. Few uh, lived to see what he became, I believe. Yeah, yeah, which is a, a, a dope line. It makes you think: How does he know? How does he know what uh, Anakin became? Because at the moment, not that many people know. I. Um, what would be really interesting is if we got a you know story during the 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 dark times where um, Vader is hunting Balin. You know, mm -hmm. and Balin maybe manages to either fend him off or get away, and in that he finds out that uh, Anakin is Vader. Yeah, um, maybe he somehow gets into the temple and is able to see that information. Maybe he was there. You know, maybe I mean, there's he was always there. a Oh man, that would be like, tough. Like I could easily see him like being one of those Jedi that like he just got away. You know, I don't know. It, it's really. I, and I feel we will learn the truth, but but I, I say here in, our, in my notes that I was like Balin is incredibly ambiguous uh, with his with his um, very very meticulous with his backstory. Um, yeah, you know, like uh, like even even says to Morgan when they're prepping the star chart thing earlier in the episode, um, he says. Um, He's like Faith. I lost that a long time ago. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I like, I don't, like, I don't know, but I love it. Like, I'm such a sucker for Again, it. Again, like, um, he is just such a good. Um, it just just gives me vibes of like a a a Black Knight, like Oath yes. of Vengeance kind of, or or, or like Oath oh. Broken Paladin. You know? Yes, that's even better. Yeah. Um, and I just you know it, it's perfect because he, he's got the chivalry uh he, he's got the he's got the basically he definitely uses the cross guard stance in Jedi Survivor um, yeah yeah and he's he's just got that vibe all around him and here's the thing too like right before they fight you know um he well I, I think he I think he asks Ahsoka like D do you think that you influenced that leaving Anakin behind and she's like well yeah. I'm not here to talk about my past um yeah. And then I don't remember if there's anything else, but she does. She draws her lightsaber first mm -hmm. and you can immediately see it all over his face. Like he's disappointed. He's like, I man, I don't want to do this. She also attacks first. Like he didn't like he was he's just defending. Yeah. Like if Shin is, Shin is going after Sabine, Balin's not going after. He's just sitting there 
just trying to get to his objective. He's not, his objective is not to take out Ahsoka or Sabine. Balin only really starts going uh, buck wild <laughs> once Ahsoka uh, throws Shin against yeah, the wall, which, exactly. which, which we'll get to that in a second. But about yeah. about the fight... Um, it starts off. It starts off pretty quiet. They like size each other up. It's like Obi Wan mm-hmm. versus Maul uh, on Tatooine. I love when lightsaber fights do that. When, yeah. When, when the opponents just stare stare at each other for a while and, and maybe make some slight movements before finally one of them goes yeah. for the attack. You you it's observe the you observe the other's stance and you kind of like mm-hmm. change to to adapt. Right. And here's the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, my my memory might be failing me, but. Ahsoka changes her stance, I think, maybe two or three times, but Balin mm-hmm. stays the same. Balin doesn't change yeah. his I think his he stance. changes it. He only changes it one time uh, when Ahsoka is changing hers. Mm-hmm. He has it kind of like, you know, kind of has that Qui-Gon pose. Right. But then at one point, she adjusts to kind of go for this like rear pose. And he, he instead of it being like kind of low to, to like his, you know, his chest or his hip, he brings it up high to his head. Yeah. Oh, uh, for like, because I think he's preparing that she's going to attack high, and she does, and he immediately like it's just that sizing. Like I, I love that. Like, you know, for for some uh, nerdy tidbits about Cole and myself, uh, recently um, we we got into uh, like just sword sparring or lightsaber sparring. Uh-huh. Um, I made some wooden swords for us because I'm that cool, and uh, and so anyway, like. That is a thing that I've noticed that we do is that like whenever we were do like we would like you know I feel like what we would do is we would always do kind of like that Obi Wan um, Vader thing where yeah. you know we kind of like you know we kind of like do like little quick blows and then we kind of size each other up and then we really get into like the like the the meat of the attacks <laughs> Man, you that know was, that, that was so much fun yeah I can't, we've uh, uh, for for I think for context like. Cole and I, we don't live uh, close by. We live about five, six hours away. So we try to see each other multiple times a year. I think we said that in our very first episode. So it's not often that we get to do that stuff, but it's really fun because Cole is very experienced in VR. And it has made him... He he is far... He is a very defensive... Like, like he... When we were doing some of those, like, b- blocks and everything, like, I'm, like, very aggressive. But he is just, like, so... Like, there was some block that he was doing that I was like, bro, how's this guy doing this right now? <laughs> like, it's really good. It's, um, it, I spent way too much time in Blade and Sorcery with the uh, with the Outer Rim mods just training with yes. lightsabers. And it's it's a lot of fun. If anybody has VR, check that out. I strongly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, you're a, an expert at that. And so I just, I just love seeing you know fights where they're a little bit more meticulous and things like that and i mean it's one of my favorite moments even in the phantom menace is when um you know qui-gon and and you know they're physically there is a barrier but like qui-gon just meditates right and he's just waiting for maul and then the shield goes up again and obi-wan has to wait you know and they have to size each other up and then they go for the attack it's just it's really good stuff very samurai very kurosawa very og lucas and i'm a big fan even empire strikes back like luke and vader stand there for a second like before they actually go for the attack yeah that i I think that like that's a great example because vader is vader is never on the offense except for the end when when mm-hmm. when Luke hits him, um, yes. which is funny because like was, oh yeah, I, I think he <laughs> I think he was like like Vader did underestimate Luke in that moment, but mm-hmm. um, 
throughout that fight, Vader's not moving. He just wants to see what Luke can do, which yep. is just great to think about. If you really think about it from Vader's perspective, like Anakin's in there, he's just going like, man, all right, this is my son. I, I want to see what he can do, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and his goal is not to kill Luke, you know, in that moment, like in very similar Balin's goal is not to kill Ahsoka. He says very makes it known that it is regrettable. Vader wasn't trying to kill Luke. He was he was trying to turn him oh, so they could go up against the Emperor. Luke drew first. Go, right, exactly. Luke uh <laughs> Luke Luke shot Luke first. Shot first. Uh, yeah, like he Vader's hand was forced in that matter, and then his and then he forced Luke's hand to come off from his body. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so but I mean, but Balin and Ahsoka, and I was I loved that Ahsoka also did not do her 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 uh, two saber uh, stance. Yes, she did one saber because I think she knew that there was no way that her ability, like her two sabers was going to be strong enough. Like, because, you know, you got to think about it from a power perspective of like, mm-hmm. if you have a one saber in each hand, you're not going to get as much power or leverage out of a swing as you would with one hand. So she gets her, you know, her bigger saber, her main saber out. And she sticks with that kind of that, uh, that old Ben kind of just like, you know, Luke Skywalker, two handed, like really meticulous strikes and blocking. And it, it to me, it's just the entire fight is very well done. Balin is just going for these really strong, heavy attacks. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, he is like a like a dark crusader, you know, a dark knight. Boom. boom. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> like he's even got the armor to show for it. Like he's just going for very broad, heavy attacks. Like he throws a rock at Ahsoka at one point, and like you can tell there's power behind that swing because she's like struggling to like cut it in half. Um, Every she has to use her like leg to prop herself up between a rock as he like attacks her. Yeah. It's cool stuff, man. Every and 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 I have to take a moment just to applaud the audio design in that fight. Oh, um, it's good. Both of the sabers, especially Balin's, which you know I'm I'm gonna highlight because it's it's still unique to us. Like it's still new. Mm-hmm. Um, is just, it's, I mean, his lightsaber sound is just so unique. It sounds so visceral. Um, when, when it clashes against Ahsoka's, it almost sounds like his swings are shattering her sabers. Yeah. Um, and you can really see that too, not only in like the, the sparks, but like the fight choreography. Like he's Mm -hmm. basically just pushing her around the entire time. Yeah. She's like, she's like just barely like you know blocking these attacks yeah and and keep in mind like i mean as far as as far as i'm concerned like ahsoka is one of the best duelists of you know like like of the of the time um and balin beat her in that fight um beat her pretty bad to be honest yeah no i think she I think she's gonna have this moment where they'll where where they will fight again and she'll come back and, and end up beating him. But of course. That is something that's something to, to say about Balin that yeah. he ended up beating her because Ahsoka and, is and really he didn't even, good. And he wasn't like you said, wasn't even trying to really, you know, make put put her down or make her stay down until she throws Shin. Like he was just making sure that she didn't get to the the map yeah you know? exactly um um and i think uh, f- just just in a in a quick response to what you said earlier she yeah she is using one lightsaber because she kind of guessed that he was going to be a heavy hitter and i think that that shows 
character growth in a way because the last time that we know that she fought a heavy hitter aka vader she used two sabers and in that fight every strike that vader does she is constantly being like pressed down yeah um and so i think she just kind of learns from that it it makes sense to really just size your opponent up and go like all right I, it's better to be structured and use one saber for this one because I'm gonna need all of the all of the force uh, or like like block um, stability that I can have. Yeah, uh, I think there there I'm really drawing a blank. I think there is one point she does use both sabers, and I think it's only in the tail end of the fight. Like that that one moment that I mentioned, she has her leg propped up between like a rock, and when he's going for an attack, and I think she does pull out her second saber to block like this yeah. as he's like coming straight and I think that's like she only does it towards the end I think it's more out of instinct than anything yeah um, like out of maybe desperation um, well you know yeah, if one like stance isn't working out you switch to the next one and see what happens it's I mean it's I mean it's it's true um, and I'll, I mean she's still ultimately defeated but um but yeah we get uh, a really good fight there and then finally um Shin shows up and Ahsoka sees this and immediately she's like, what happened to Sabine? You know? Yep. Um, and then um, she uses the force as she's blocking Balin's attack to uh, knock out Shin, throws her up against one of the hinges. And Balin, this is where Balin gets pissed off. He yeah. Just, I, think, I think he just says, like, he's like, you shouldn't have done that. Like, yeah. Uh, or or he's, he was like, like, the class of like, big mistake, you know? Like, <laughs> big mistake, Carmen here. Yeah. yeah. And, and then that is when he just, like, he really like I think that's he has her propped up and he's like really going and she's just getting at this point fully just knocked around. Like I mean her saber is almost getting knocked out of her hand. Um and then Sabine shows up finally and she's like Sabine destroyed like um or I, I forgot, Ahsoka grabbed the orb at one point and it like burns her hand, so mm-hmm. it stops the connection, it rolls off to the side, she throws Shin, whatever. Um, Sabine shows up. Ahsoka begs her to destroy it. She grabs it and like, um, and Ahsoka gets knocked off the cliff. And then we get this amazing scene. This is probably my favorite scene in the whole episode, despite the very end scene of the episode, which we'll get into, um, is the conversation that Balin and Sabine have. Mm -hmm. Uh, it is, this is just, to me, this is peak. And I was like, I... I, to be honest, I was like really not expecting what was going to happen. Sabine has the the star map at Blaster Point, and uh, and Balin puts his lightsaber away. Doesn't even like well, she she shoots at him, and he and he just blocks effortlessly. <laughs> I and think just, specifically he, when in that moment when she was shooting at him, I think I told you I was like, yeah, that's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, like it it was so effortless for him, you know, like just pinpoint accuracy deflections and um and so he puts the saber away and he immediately reaches out under the force and reads her mind mm-hmm. and is like Ezra I, I know uh like there, there's a I, I can't I don't remember verbatim, but I know he's he acknowledges that she feels like Ezra is the only family that she has. Um just kind of sad uh, to think. I guess I don't know if it's maybe because of Hera's position in the rebellion. She's not as close around anymore. But it seems like Sabine is kind of on her own on Lothal. So it would make sense why she really is, especially living on this planet, which is basically 
a living representation of Ezra and what he yeah. did, the the yearning for him to come back is is even more so prevalent and what's kind of put her in this depression. Um, and and he genuinely like in this moment, you know, it's when we were both watching, we both said when Balin tells her like no harm will come of you, like you know we have a common goal. You can get Ezra back, and I can I can uh, serve a, a greater good. Mm-hmm. Like I I promise you this. Like no like, uh, and then he just re- he just holds it out. He doesn't take it from her or anything. He gives her the choice. Yeah, and she's really hesitant. She's like, but ultimately her passion and emotion for wanting to see Ezra again, she gives it to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, it is so good, it, you know? And, and this yeah. entire sequence, I did that not at one moment that I've been like, mm, like, mm, what is Balin's angle, you know? Like, what is he really at? I was like, no, like, I believe him. Yeah. And proof is further shown right after when Shin, you, and you mentioned this earlier, like that, you, we hear that audible noise when she drops the thing and then you hear kind of like a... That like iconic the, the, force, the force choke noise. I lo- just like, so good. Um, I got to thank Clone Wars for that audio cue because mm-hmm. it's incredible. And then you're just like, wait, what's happening? I was like, is Balin choking her? No, Shin is, nope. is, it's Shin. is conscious and she's pissed, right? And Balin's like, Shin let go put her down like we we're going to keep our promise and you're like balen it f- from what we know i don't we don't know what his goal is but what he he thinks he's really doing the best thing possible and i don't he does not feel like a bad guy yeah like he he genuinely feels like I, I, he genuinely seems like appears to us that that he thinks what he is doing is 100% right and mm-hmm. that and that it is a good thing to do like mm-hmm. like morally good he's like yeah this is this it's a sacrifice that needs to be made um and actually i will say shin has had nothing but unwavering loyalty towards balen throughout this entire series and balen has to ask her twice to let go of sabine um yeah. and i just i i don't know what kind of uh connotations that has mm-hmm. uh but pe- people are saying that like oh man shin's gonna shin's gonna be the one to take Balan out eventually like it's almost as if like like she she might be jealous mm-hmm. um of of sabine you know b- because now sabine has joined Balan willingly so she might yeah. feel like she's being replaced um yeah we don't really know but i just think it's interesting that she for once at least initially does not listen to him um yeah so that's that's just very interesting to me yeah she through that from what we've seen she has been nothing but loyal to him and mm-hmm. so i mean i definitely think her anger was getting the the better of her um not only with what ahsoka did but with you know they they she has she has been the constant uh thorn in her side if you will so maybe there's some of that coming out but yeah i really i think you're right that it may be some sort of like maybe she feels like she might be getting replaced or something like that you never um, know you don't know i it's hard to say i i could see shin you know uh, it's hard to say to you know, once we figure out like i don't think even shin knows what entirely the goal is it to me it does not seem like ba- balin is interested in thrawn that's the thing is I feel like that's Morgan's goal. To me, it feels like 
because uh, they're trying to go to this, you know, Paradia place, right? We they have not mentioned it in a couple episodes, mm-hmm. but Morgan wants to get to Thrawn. Sabine wants to get to Ezra, but it seems like Balin is something else. And so, remember on a couple a couple weeks ago, we, you were mentioning how Balin, Maroc, um, sorry, so I guess it would be Skull, Hati, and Maroc are all euphemisms for like uh, wolves. Yeah. Um, I never really thought about it like this, but you know. Hati and Skull are the ones that chase the sun and the moon, right? Mm-hmm. But they're also intrinsically tied to Ragnarok, which is the the oh, the ending. Yeah. And so it's like when you think about it in that perspective, like they are catalyst of Ragnarok. Then you begin to think more. What does that mean for for Balin and Shin? Their goal is like to, because they're like they're almost like wanting to like usher in like a new age. Yeah, and it's like how, like why, like it's, what what does that mean? It's it's just the best when the when the villains' goals and motives are just so ambiguous, right? Um, to, and you, and you're I just don't waiting think... for the curtain to fall. And I, yeah, and I don't think Thrawn has anything to do with that. Like, I he might, but I feel like Balin and Shin do not care about bringing back Thrawn. Like, no, I think as it, far as Balin is concerned, Thrawn is not a goal. Thrawn is a consequence. Yeah. Um. Like, it, for whatever reason, they're trying to get there. Um. But he doesn't seem to be interested in what Thrawn does. He's just like, yeah, that's something that's gonna happen, and it's gonna suck. But you know, I gotta get there. Gotta do, you know. Gotta do what you gotta, gotta do, do you gotta for the do. greater good. Um, and I don't, I don't even think Shin understands either, because mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was like episode two or something. They were on CTOS, and Shin basically mm-hmm. asked, you know, I, I don't know if she did specifically ask this, but she was basically asking questions about what the overall goal was, and he just said he, power. Yeah, he, he was just like, like power greater than you've ever known or something like that yeah um so man it's just so interesting like i wonder what that means i don't know and i personally can't wait um because we we still have four episodes left i guess let's we're in the tail end of the episode but yes very good speculation there on on the uh the sabine and and balin and shin and morgan stuff but um so yeah ahsoka is when she was taken out she gets knocked off this cliff we don't see what happens to her but then um sabine is taken mm-hmm. uh up uh taken captive she's ha- i think they just handcuff her for, for safety precautions i don't but um they go up they they take the shuttle to the hyperspace ring Hera and Phoenix Squadron, they come in, they see, like, oh, man, that uh, there's a big hyperspace ring. Huang is able to reach out uh, to Hera, finally gets contact, and he doesn't know what's going on with Ahsoka and Sabine at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they see the hyperspace ring, they detect there's a huge surge in power. It goes it goes <laughs> off, right? And it in first of all, it, the sound design was incredible on this hyperspace. It sounded sick. Um, it leaves a massive hyperspace trail as well oh, uh, you can yeah. see it like like a big blue trail um and it just it compl- like <laughs> rest in peace to the the no name x-wings x-wingers because they other than Hera and two of the x-wing pilots one being carson uh carson tiva they all get destroyed like it just completely like the the momentum just just and it's honestly like kind of horrific like what happens like yeah it sends off a just, shock wave yeah, like it even it even like uh 
screws with Chopper. Like his um his I I guess whatever his like servos or whatever they are, like he just completely just is like <laughs> <laughs> So one um, of those I forgot to mention, one of those X Wing pilots was actually uh Brendan Wayne. Uh, who is the guy that does most of the scenes of Din Djarin in the Mandalorian suit. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so like, that was a little okay. cameo there, and we didn't, we don't get to see if he is the one <laughs> that died in the, yeah. in the X-Wing. All we know is just that Carson and then just some other X-Wing pilot survived. I, th- I think we, yeah, we, I know, we know that the Rodian, and I think there was five people that came with them i think or maybe it was four but i know the rodian and i think there was um a, a woman and then there was a another guy and then carson and i think the rodian and the other guy died i don't know it doesn't it, don't, it doesn't really matter um, yeah but then i love this line um a little it's already showing that Jason has a little force sensitivity in him that he's he's immediately like I've, he's like mom I've, I've got a bad feeling and to me I don't know why but this kid's delivery was so good to me where I was like the, this the dread that's on his face like you can tell yeah. it's not just like a visually what he saw it's like something in his like chest you know like it does not feel good I think um, I think as far as we know the series has now taken a, a much darker turn this definitely yes. feels like the, the the empire strikes back moment where mm-hmm. things are not going well um and so i am just very excited to see, i i really really want to see Hera's reaction to sabine being taken away yeah because now we have well i guess we'll get into the last scene here in a second but from what we know huang is on the surface Maroc is walking around fine, fine as ever. Uh, <laughs> Maroc went home. He went, all right, my shift is over, guys. My job has been completed. Um, he's on the surface. Ahsoka, we'll get to that in a second. And then Hera and Carson and one of the other pilots, they're out there. The map, oh, I forgot to mention, Balin destroys the map. He pulls out his lightsaber and melts yeah. the map, meaning they have no way to regain those coordinates whatsoever. They're out in hyperspace. They're like the, you know, the villains with Sabine are out in hyperspace. But then we get to possibly one of the coolest transitions in all of Star Wars. Yeah, we, we, very we, cool we transition. Fade, we get a top-down shot of the hinge, and as it moves west, uh, we see the waves crashing upon uh, the cliffside, and then it transitions into a more ethereal uh-huh. type of pulse pulses. And we see Ahsoka's arm, and we're like, mm, what is this? And we get to see her face, and she's unconscious. It zooms out, and we realize that Ahsoka is in, presumably, the world between worlds. Let's go, baby. Um, let's go. Let's go. That's, That's what, what we waiting for. for. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, that, and so then, immediately when I saw this, I was like, how did she get here? Like, yeah. what happened? Because from what we saw, Balin knocked her off this cliff if it's anything like the ezra vader ahsoka thing in rebels he reached out and you know grabbed ahsoka well here's the i guess here's the the kicker everybody knows it's been five days i'm not gonna it's like we we hear hey sniffs like like i didn't think you'd be here so soon and we get the reveal of 
of Hayden Christensen in full Revenge of the Sith Anakin garb with lightsaber, looking with good. robotic hands, looking, in my opinion, very, very crisp. They, I, I, I want to talk more about the pl- the lore stuff before I get into the whole CG stuff because like I've just seen a lot of discourse about that. Yeah. But like the the and then the episode it you know she's immediately like master and it's really hopeful but then the vader theme uh-huh. starts to play Plays and the it wraps Imperial the March, episode and then the episode yeah. ends and you're and immediately and anybody who's watching for the first time is just like mouth agape just like it's uh, like you're just like what just happened man like what is going on what's happening what's going on <laughs> what's going on yeah and it's like dude i uh, i don't know i don't know <laughs> Um, Shooter on something. <laughs> All right, so I, I Cole, what do you think's happening? <laughs> like, oh wow. Okay, so yeah, I mean, as soon as soon as you and I saw this episode, we immediately started talking about it. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, okay, I just I don't think it's Anakin, um, because. I mean, I told you my reason specifically, but like, I'm I'm just gonna lay it out. If it was Anakin, I th- I thought that he would appear as like an ethereal force ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and one could argue, all right, well, he's in the world between worlds; he doesn't need to look ethereal, right? Right. But where are his cool, you know, I died and went to heaven robes? You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you're so right though. Yeah, it, like it's. You know, um, Obi-Wan, Yoda, and, and Anakin all went to, to like, Heaven H&M, and they got those matching gloves. <laughs> uh, and, like, that, that's, like a, that's, like, a membership thing. It's, like, they got invented. Right. They, they got admitted to a country club, and it's, like, a bathroom that you get. Um, <laughs> They're, like, here you go. And, you know, like, you, you corrected me on this, because initially I was like, well, why does he have his scar? Why does he have, you know, the robotic arm? You know, he sh- you know if he's in the afterlife, you know, he wouldn't want to manifest as that stuff, right? But, yeah. but you did point out that Anakin did appear as a Force ghost um, in one of the comics, and he did have his scar. Um, not the robotic yeah. hand, but he did have the scar. But still, mm-hmm. that leaves room for the question of why the robotic hand? D- does he want to... And the saber. And the saber. Why does he have yeah. his lightsaber? And you know, some people have said like, "Oh, that's Vader's saber." Um, I, I think, don't think it I is. think on closer inspection, if you increase like the 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 contrast and the brightness on it a little bit, it definitely looks like Anakin's. I think it's just subject yeah. of the lighting in the room. It, yeah. Um, I agree. But here's the thing: it if it was, it would have played like a triumphant, heroic thing. But it played yeah. the Imperial March. Like it ends, go, fades to black or cuts to black on like a sinister motif yes. of the Imperial March. It's not good. And so here is my theory. And and this is and this one's wild. Um if pe- okay. um I've got some spoilers for the Clone Wars. Um if you have not seen the Clone Wars, go do that. Why are you watching Ahsoka? Just go do- <laughs> just, just, just go watch the Clone Wars. I'm pretty sure it's season three. Um, yeah, but intrinsically tied to the title of our podcast as well. Oh yeah, quite <laughs> literally. Um, I think I think that this is potentially the sun. Okay. Um, and I think this for several reasons. 
One, it is said that the Mortis gods have basically dominion over the world between worlds. Mm -hmm. um, and that is further exemplified by seeing their like caricatures on the walls in um, in Rebels. Mm -hmm. um, and as as how the Force works, you know, works in mysterious ways, even though all of them died in the Clone Wars, I don't think they like died, died. They basically just kind of went into a different plane, basically. Yeah. And we see that through the daughter manifesting herself into Morai. Um, Right. And she mega died. Like her life force was, you know, and I, I guess yeah, yeah, it just went away. Um, and here's how the sun works, dude. We see. Oh, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, I need you to keep going. I yeah, keep going. <laughs> we we see he's done this before. In the Clone Wars, he appeared to Anakin as Shmi. Yes. Um, he has done this before, and like. You know, you can read minds. He 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 showed Anakin the future. Like that that guy yeah. is basically they're basically omniscient. Um, so they know everything. He would know mm -hmm. exactly the kind of um strings to pull. Like he immediately uh what what is it? Pathos is pathos emotion. He immediately yes. applied to Ahsoka's pathos by saying "Hey Snips," you know, um and like yeah, that is an Anakin thing to say. That's the sun kind of thing to do. And also, yeah. in the first episode of Ahsoka, which someone pointed out that we did not know until, you know, mm -hmm. uh, this point, you can hear the sun whispering in, like, one of the first scenes where Ahsoka... Is he the chosen one? Yeah, of, of the sun saying, is he the chosen one, while Ahsoka is messing with um, the mechanisms on Arcana. Um, it is... I just feel like the things that are happening here are not good um oh and my and and the one final reason it has been confirmed that sam Witwer's work it has done work in ahsoka yes he voiced the son in the clone wars mm -hmm. what better way to have him have a live action role except for Starkiller, than than, <laughs> than play than reprise his role as the son in live action mm -hmm. which would be so cool and i know that he would eat that up so there you go. <sighs> there you go. Yeah. So, oh man, I'm like, I'm really struggling right now because I need to, let me give context to both you and the, the listeners. So I saw a possible report or leak today um, oh. in regards to what, he is <laughs> um and it, it feels uh, man, i want to i want to tell you because it is it is now become my theory it is a very good theory but i i run the risk of saying it and it becoming true and then ret like inadvertently spoiling people because i can't like be like oh this is my theory now when i like this is like <laughs> a report it could just be complete bs uh -huh. um i don't know the validity of it but I feel like it's a very legit thing, and it is in the vein of your theory, but it's a little different. Hmm. Um, the, the question is, I'm going to ask you first, yeah. do you want to know? And then secondly, <laughs> I will give a preface to everyone uh, 
that is listening, if they don't want to hear it, we you can just end the episode now. But uh, if you are leaving now, we love you. Goodbye. Yes, thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram. Um, <laughs> nice, nice plug at the end. Uh, <laughs> so, so, so I'll ask this: What is the like percentage of validity behind this source? Listen, I don't know the source. Let me let me pull up the um, <laughs> source. I made it up. <laughs> let me pull up the article real quick and see. Um, it's fiction. But like, as soon as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, even if this is complete BS, this makes a lot of sense. Um, where is it at? Where is it at? Okay. Um. The 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 credit is to um. Uh, this is a, a leaker on Twitter named My Time to Shine Hello. Um, have they been known with leaking things correctly before? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw this and I went in. You know, someone that I uh, that I followed that I was like, okay, I feel like they have some you know pretty legit stuff. Um, I've acknowledged them before. Diamond Figs on Instagram. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'll say it's like 50, 50 shot. Maybe okay. I, I, I feel like it is basically your theory, just slightly altered. Um, in fact, it really, you, you might be nailing it on the head and I might be interpreting it differently. It, the, the leak is not abundantly clear. I, if I'm going to be honest, um, so much of star Wars has been ruined and spoiled <laughs> for me. Time I'll, and time I'll, again. I'll say that you, with this theory, if this is true, you are you are like 75% correct. Okay. See, see, now that makes me curious about, like, where... It's a little bit... It's a little bit more ambiguous than your theory, I would say. But I feel like it definitely is on the right track. Uh, yeah, I'm just, like, now you got me thinking about, like, how, in what way could it be different? You know? Just... <laughs> I don't want to. Can I please tell you? It's oh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the. I don't know the intricacies of it at all. Okay. All right. Yeah. Go. The, go ahead. All right. The leak is just that Anakin is now serving the role as a new Mortis god, and he uh... is watching over the world between worlds. So in a way, maybe he's not the son, but he is possibly the new father. Because remember, in the Clone Wars, the father was dying. Yeah. And he was looking for someone to take over for him. And he was gauging to see if Anakin was the chosen one, if he could control oh, both the daughter and the son. The father is dead. The daughter is dead. The son. Eh. So in a way, I don't know the details of it. I think you could be right. It This could be the son or this. He could be. There may not be a, a, a daughter and a, or a you know, uh, sorry. I, is it the son or the. Bro, bro, no, it's the son. It's, it's the son um, and the daughter. I, I would always get it confused. Yeah, the son and the daughter, like, they might both be gone, and he might be serving the role of all three. Or my theory, and kind of in line with yours, instead of him being the son, he is now the new the new main Mortis god. He is looking for a new daughter and a new son to fill those roles. 
You remember that fan art of him yeah. watch with Ahsoka and Starkiller? Like, what if Man. Ahsoka is going to be, with Morai's essence being in her, with the daughter's essence being in her, what if the, if Anakin pulled her out to save her and is going to ask her to become maybe the new daughter? Oh, man. That, that is just such a cool theory. I... It, it, it teeters on the same line as yours, right? Where I'm like, maybe it is just straight up the sun or the sun is still out there because we didn't see the sun die, but maybe like, I don't know. But then you're just like, then that the theory is, that is all I know about that theory is that he is just the new Mortis God watching over the world between worlds. That would be absolutely wild, but I would, I'd be okay with it. And here's, here's the, you remember that statement a while back where Dave Filoni was like, you know, when Ahsoka speaks in Rise of Skywalker, he says, he's like, I don't know why that implies that Ahsoka is dead. You know, oh, like that doesn't, that's not man. what that means. What if she's not dead? What if Anakin and Ahsoka are now these guardians of the Mortis, or, or not of Mortis, but of the world between worlds? And that's how they're able to speak to her. Is this? Or to Rey, but. Is this when Ahsoka becomes Ahsoka the White? Maybe, cause this, cause I know that that Dave like intentionally like postponed, or like pushed back that transformation, and yeah, and let's be real, yeah. she fell just like Gandalf. Um, I think this she has died. We and we don't know what happened. Remember, think about we think about Lord of the Rings. You've been on a Lord of the Rings thing, and you've been kind of inspired me a little bit. Like when Gandalf quote dies. Yeah. Yes, he falls this great death. He is Grant Gandalf the Grey. We don't find out what happens to him until the next quote episode, the next yeah. installment. If Dave is really pulling from pulling the strings of like this Gandalf analogy, the same thing is being said where it's like, you know, in the, well actually, do we even really find out that Gandalf is Gandalf the White until Return of the King? Uh no, no, you find out in Two Towers. Okay, um, I couldn't remember if it was at the end or... It's so, but, such long movies, it feels like a long time. <laughs> I was like, they were running together in my head. But yeah, so then it's like, we don't know what happened to Ahsoka. I'm like, what if, like, she really is dead, you know? Or like, oh, I don't know, man. It's, I feel like Ahsoka, again, like we said very back in the beginning, like in the, be the beginning of this episode, sorry, I'm stuttering over my words because I'm so excited right now, yeah. is... Like, she has been through a lot. Like, she has died, literally died once, okay? She has, quote, we thought she died a second time. This is now the third time this has happened, right? But they've all been in this, like, very, like, co the cosmic force scale of, like, deaths where, like, that's why Morai is watching over her and she has the daughter's life essence in her. And then she's pulled into the world between worlds. Like, what if that's, like, kind of connecting the two? Man. You know? Where she is now becoming, she's not a, she is no longer just Ahsoka. Like, she's serving this grander cosmic force. She, she's now the daughter, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, we we picked such a good time to, to make a podcast called Mortis FM. <laughs> Listen. What can I say? Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the the son. <laughs> well, he, well, here's son the thing. Like Thank that, you. that also makes me think. Like. For there to be a daughter, there must also be a son. Right. So, where's Starkiller at? You know? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Or, like, if the son is still alive, is he still... Maybe this Anakin isn't 
the real Anakin. Maybe this is actually the son, and the real Anakin as a Force ghost will show up in the next one. Like, yeah. in the next episode, it'll be like, get out of here, son. <laughs> I <laughs> like, think... I think one way or another, we will have a true conversation between Ahsoka and Anakin mm-hmm. at some point. Like, if this is not Anakin, we will see him at some point. Right. Uh, and it also, it, it, this is why I still think your theory has a lot of validity to it. Is like, yeah, he still has the robot hand and the lightsaber. What's up with that? Yeah. You know, if if this really is Anakin, say Anakin is a new Mortis God, right? When he when he died and became a Force of Ghosts and he found a way into the world between worlds or however you want to describe it, like, it wouldn't make sense for him to have his saber and his, his metallic hand. So this could be a deception of the sun. Like, yeah. and we didn't see the sun just straight up die. So maybe he doesn't need a new son, but maybe now that he's watching over the world between worlds, like the son is playing some tricks or whatever, but in actuality, like Ahsoka, I don't know, man. It's it's some crazy and, stuff to think about. And we also still haven't had our Clone Wars flashback that we know is going to happen. Yeah, um, it's got to. Now here's point. the thing. This episode five is going to be big because it is, we, yeah. it's, it's being screened in select theaters. Yes. Like there is a reason why they're doing this, and it comes out in two days, man. We just we yeah, just they, have two they days. Have, they have said that this is uh, reports have said that this is the biggest episode of the show. Oh man! Which I which I I'm like, bro. We still have four episodes left. I'm like this. I'm like, I'm like, what all is happening, would, man? Like, man, it would be so wild if we were able to get uh, Ewan McGregor as Force Ghost Obi Wan as well. Like, like if we just had full oh, on force ghost treatment, um, listen, I, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm tired of pretending that I don't want it. <laughs> like, I just like people have been like, oh, it's so fan servicey. Like the end of this episode, that's another thing to complain about. Like the Andor crowd, they're like, oh, you got to rely on Hayden to bring. And I'm like, dude, if you're going to do it, it makes sense to do it in this. Like, yeah, I know we got him in Kenobi, but we did. We barely got him as Anakin in, in Kenobi. He was mostly Vader and it was awesome. It rocked to seeing him oh, back yeah. in the suit. But he like, this him. is different, you know, I think. Yeah, I think it is different. I mean, it's not like... It doesn't feel like Cameo Palooza. It doesn't feel like Mandalorian mm. Season 2 this time around. I... Yeah. I, <laughs> and I love you, Mando Season 2. Um, and <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that this is different because Ahsoka's character is so intrinsically connected to Anakin. Absolutely. That to have him not play a role in this would just be dumb like yes and and also like i i think we can finally talk about this the discourse around the cg face yes real okay. fast i want to go ahead and state that i think it's dumb it's because <laughs> i mean like did did i notice it yes but it's fine because here's the thing you guys complained when they didn't cg his face and now you're complaining when they do CG his yeah. face. So it's a situation yes. of like damned if they do, damned if they don't kind of thing. Yeah. I'm I'm of the mentality that like I hated that they did not de-age uh Ewan and Hayden even slightly yeah. in Kenobi. Yeah. Like it was just weird to see them like in their like younger forms. Like not even Revenge of the Sith. Like they're in their their pre-attack of the clones look. But they look like 40 or 50 year old men, yeah. you know, I was like, when I, so to be honest, and maybe it was just cause I was so caught up in the moment. I didn't notice the CG when the, the end of the episode happened, but 
and I was like, oh, he looks great. Like he, people were like, oh, he looks like a doll. He looks like he has a baby face. And I'm like, I'm like, is that a bad thing though? Because like in Revenge of the Sith, like Hayden as a person, Anakin was I think 23 years old. I believe Hayden as an actor was like only 24 or 25. You know, Man, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> bro, why are we in Star Wars what, right what, what now, Dave? Hey, check my Instagram, uh, Dave Filoni. I know you're listening. Uh, Dave, Dave I, we, I look, we wrote I look a story drippy. about Star Wars. It's really good. You should check it out. Yeah, um, we actually killed off our characters, unlike you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Dave Filoni. I'm not a Dave Filoni hater. But yeah, I think it's dumb. Like, I think he looks good. And I'm, I'm, I mean, depending on how they explain the story, like, and maybe he is the son playing a trick. Like I never. Like now that you're now that we've just kind of talked about this full on thing, like you talking about how the son did emulate, you know, different people in Mortis. That is a very interesting little tidbit because mm-hmm. it's like I never even thought about it in that perspective before. So like my. I, I'm I'm staking I'm staking claim here. We're co- I, we're combining our efforts as we do, uh, as as the brothers that we are. I believe this is the son. Okay, yeah. I think you're 100 percent right. I do not think this is Anakin. However, I think the show is making you think this is main Anakin, but it raises some questions. That Vader theme as well. People are like, don't read too much into it. It's to help people like common audiences recognize. I'm like, bro, people know who Anakin Skywalker is. Come on now. Um, yeah. I think the I think Anakin as a Force ghost is in the world between worlds. I think he is watching over, uh, watching over and maybe serving as a new Mortis god. And the son is also there, still, still, still alive and kicking. And I do think that Anakin will ask Ahsoka to become to with with the daughter's essence being in her for so long for her to, you know come serve this this grander cosmic force of a role and i think she's going to say no she has to finish something first and once she does Uh, then she will come back well here's the thing you might be on to something there because gandalf does the exact same thing when gandalf dies he is supposed to die Mm -hmm. but he he is sent back to middle earth as gandalf the white because he has a job to do and when and and when he finishes it uh he's asked to stay but he says no like my time in middle earth is done and he sails into the west he leaves yep so i think you're on to something there i think she will like complete whatever this is and then she's gonna go back and maybe become the daughter which like if that's true ahsoka has had the most wild story in the history of Star Wars. Um, yeah, dude. Like it's a, it's it is right. at Revan proportions at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'm listen. I'm not mad. Like if if there is that's the thing is like Dave. Fine. If this is the case, right? And and I'm also going to just go ahead and plant in my mind that all of this could be completely untrue and I'm completely wrong. But I'm I'm part of me hopes that it's the case. Is like when the world between worlds even got first introduced, right? It created this, like, it It could have been so bad, man. Yeah. It could have been catastrophic to the Star Wars universe because it opens up the potential, the potential of possibly, like, 
time travel and like multiverses and I'm personally I'm just I do not want that in Star Wars I don't want time travel I don't want multiverses I don't want any of that stuff but I do love the idea of the force being on this cosmic grand scale and we've seen it's worked before so when the when the world between worlds got introduced I was like that could have gone so poorly but somehow it worked so well yeah. like they did it perfectly where it like and I don't it was just I was like they nailed it and that's how I I really do like if if this whole thing of like Dave saying like you know I don't know why people think that like uh, that means like Ahsoka is dead right that like you know she is like by the time of Rise of Skywalker people were like oh my god like she's still alive like how <laughs> if what he's really saying is that no like she didn't die she is now ascended to this higher purpose in the Force so she's not quote dead some like. That works for me. Yeah, that makes oh, yeah. sense to me. Well, you know, it, dude, you're—I mean, ever since you mentioned this, like now, I've just got it spiraling in my mind. We could think about this as it being planned from the start, because Ahsoka has the daughter's life essence in her. That is the only mm-hmm. reason why she is alive. She is intrinsically yep. connected, and that's the third time I said intrinsic in, in, in this. She is intrinsically connected up. to the daughter aka morai because we always see morai with her um mm-hmm. and like i mean in like specific situations dude i think i think we nailed it uh and and it could be it, it could be completely just off like he's like <laughs> he's like actually um i'm from a multiverse where i killed obi-wan <laughs> and I stepped into the world between worlds and if that was true Bloody. i would be so upset do not introduce the multiverse into star wars please, please for the love of god um, and you're right. The, the, different- the, the world between worlds, it is a tough thing to broach. Use it sparingly, because if you do it incorrectly, it could be catastrophic. So yes, yes, you are right. I I do think the this entire episode, Ahsoka will be will be going on some sort of journey in the world between worlds, even more than beyond this episode, possibly. Like I don't know, but and I do think that might be the only way she can get to wherever Sabine is at. I think just like you translated, like I'm so glad you you brought in that that Lord of the Rings analogy with Gandalf, because if out of the two of us, you are definitely the more knowledgeable one. Like I could totally see her being like, yes, I'll do it, but you have to let me go save them. Like you yeah. have to let in. And Anakin goes, okay. He's like, like, and he, you know, and he opens fine. up a portal, a portal, and that portal takes her to Paradia or a, a, a crucial moment. And I think that is where the mo- that that is where it will click for me, or it's like this really is Ahsoka's show, you know? Because yes. so far people have been like, oh, it's like too much like Rebel season five, which isn't like I think people took that Dave Filoni quote and just ran with it too much. Like I don't like the the show is called Ahsoka. I think this is the point where you're really going to be like, "Oh, I get why it's called Ahsoka now cuz she like might turn into an actual Mortis god, you know, it's, like or yeah. a, a, this god of the living force like I don't know. It's more like uh Clone Wars season 8 and and Rebels season 5 meshed together. Cuz yeah, I mean, yeah. really like it, it's a culmination of Ahsoka's story. If it doesn't right. end here, and I don't think it will, I think she will have a part to play in this, like, <laughs> Avengers movie that they're doing. That's what um, I was about to say. is like, that might be, like, but, it might be the thing of, like, we have to stop Thrawn, and then... Yeah, and then that will be probably, 
not like the end of her story, but that's kind of when she will sail into the West and become what she's I, meant I to hope be. so. I, I really want, like, as much as I love Ahsoka, if that is how they end her character, I will be nothing but satisfied. I would be and so happy. fine with that. I mean, I mean, will I bawl my eyes out when that happens? Because I've just had such a, such a long legacy and, and just journey with watching this character from when she was a teenage girl to becoming possibly this, this otherworldly being. Yeah, I'm going to be a wreck, but, like, I will be happy because of it, you know? Um... Oh man! I don't know, but then it and then it makes you think: What if that shot? Oh, what if that shot in Rebels? Okay, the very ending one. That isn't the end of. I know it's like it probably it might have been like a thing, but they actually they redo that shot and that Ahsoka showing up with the staff and the white is her in her Mortis God form after another battle of Lothal when Thrawn comes back and they finally beat Thrawn and yeah. she's there and she's like. <laughs> Le- like like letting a Sabine like this is, that is her sailing into the West moment that is not them going to find Ezra that's her going oh man oh, I don't know man I don't I don't I'm I'm more Cole this is <laughs> this is I we have, I feel like we have unearthed so much but at the same time I'm so worried because I'm like what if this just ends up not happening at all <laughs> like <laughs> we we gotta we gotta call this the tinfoil hat episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man. I, I hope people who, uh, who kept, uh, kept listening past the the thing, but like, bro. Oh man, I'm just yeah, listen. Two, I'm just saying. Days. I'm just saying, man. We we say it to ourselves every time. I think if they had us in the writers' room for Star Wars, we <laughs> like we, we would be fine. I think. It would listen, be all right. I, I would, I would. I could think of no job better for the both of us. Um, I know there's a ton of Star Wars people out there that their dream is to to do these Star Wars stories, but like, yeah, you know, you and I are are some some dreamers, and and I just think that we have genuinely some like good ideas where you can where we can bring nuance, but also like you know satisfaction and, and there's a way to do both of that in my opinion so dave, dave is like listening to this episode he's like oh man i gotta write this down this is good <laughs> yeah oh my god i gotta i gotta trademark this episode <laughs> can, we, can we put a pause on ahsoka episode five and reshoot everything real fast <laughs> he's like guys like he, he calls bob Iger. he's like we have you have to pay them the money for the strike <laughs> by the way i failed to mention this in the beginning of the episode i've been wanting to do this I think it is important to note that, and many creators, um, shout out to uh, Star Wars Explained, even though he has way more of a following than me. We met one time back when I was 17, and he met you. It's same, same thing for you. It's a really Love embarrassing you, picture yeah. of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to post it on social media? I'm kidding. I'm, we're, not, we're not doing that. But yeah, shout out to Alex and Molly. But they, they put on the beginning of every single one of their episodes, um, recognizing that the, the strikes are happening right now. And without any of it, without the writers, without the actors, all of these people um, that are... that most have not been getting paid fairly um ahsoka or none of star wars uh would exist so 100 uh, percent. so it is important to note that while we are i'm discussing we are discussing all of this and, and our love for star wars none of it would happen without the incredibly hardworking people like george lucas and all of those people were absolute pioneers and that still goes uh the same today and it and it sucks honestly that we're not able to um we're not able to 
the actors are not able to celebrate with us as fans while we yeah. watch this. It's it's really unfortunate because I, I I can only imagine you know they're obviously they're doing their duty and um, standing with in uh, solidarity with um with everyone. But like man, I'd love to see what uh what everybody is is thinking and the response that the show is getting. But anyway, this has been well, a very long and fruitful episode. Almost two hours. This episode has been yeah. Um, uh, and keep in mind. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say it. I I have COVID. I'm tired. <laughs> I feel sick, and I just want to go to bed. Um, yeah. But I stayed here to talk Star Wars, and so just for that, will you guys just drop a comment, share this with somebody, just say yeah, man. these guys really pulled out all the stops for us, and talk for <laughs> potentially an extra thirty minutes about a leak. Uh, that I didn't want to listen to, but this episode was still really good. Um, yeah, I I had nothing but a blast, and I'm I'm glad that you uh, were able to stick it through. Um, send send Cole um, at and the forces with me on Instagram, um, or just on our Instagram at MortisFM. Some well wishes as he recovers. Uh, he he has had nothing but uh, struggles with <laughs> with COVID the past uh, three years. Um, it is it has beaten him down, but I, I've seen him rise up from it every time. So we're hoping um, that uh, with rest and with medication, uh, there will finally we will finally get more of a permanent comeback. So I'm, I, I would not be able, I would not, I would not be able to do this without him. Oh man! Um, so please, so send him some well wishes. Uh, he deserves it. I will return. I will. I will. I will return. Hopefully, our next episode as Cole the White. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, You're gonna die. Sorry, buddy. Um, yeah, really. Um, I, I'm gonna get a little bit, you know, kind of a little corny here, a little cheesy, but yep. like, just Star Wars as a whole um, is just—it's just so important to me. Um, it's just had yep. such a tremendous impact on my life and my well-being and and giving me the opportunity to meet such an amazing co-host uh, such as yourself uh, and I just think that it's these kinds of stories that bring people together and you know as Grayson said I'm gonna bring it back just for a second it would not be possible without the writers and actors that make this possible um, so really like take a step back from gatekeeping and or from other star wars fans take a step back from hating the sequels take a step back from hating the prequels the originals if you're funky like that um like <laughs> and just appreciate a collaboration of creation mm -hmm. um because man i love star wars i love star wars beautifully said my friend um i think that is the best way to end this episode. I will reiterate once again, uh, you can follow us at MortisFM on Instagram. That is where we uh, keep up with socials and contact with everybody. We really appreciate it. Um, you can please follow and rate whatever you're listening to this on. There should be an option. Uh, we're on Spotify, um, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. Um, you can follow me at Shradester8 on Instagram. And you can follow Cole again at and the Forces with me. And with that being said, we will be back for episode five, hopefully very soon. Um, and, and, and that's all I got to say about that. May the force be with you. 
always.